Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and if I could control the movements of everyone around me, I too would use that fantastic power to perform a Cole Porter song and dance, right? It's too darn hot. It's too darn hot. <laughs> See, and Dan would be my Dan would be a perfect background dancer. They would all be perfect background dancers because I would control them. It'd be great. <laughs> I, I think that's a really great use of this power, Dan. What do you think? Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner. <laughs> and so you've got an army of psychotics and deviants to dance around for you. Big whoop is what I have to say. <laughs> Clearly, that's the part of the movie we we're both captivated by. Yes, absolutely. Although Terry Crews' little musical number, also pretty good. And, you know, in some ways, previews... Age of Ultron. But but yeah. first, we should welcome our, our Right. Viewers, this is Space listeners. the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of... Cognitive neuroscience. And executive dysfunction. It is Butler Vimber, motherfuckers! <laughs> what are we talking Butler about Vimber! today? We're talking about Gerard Butler's 2009 movie, Gamer, which was once called Citizen Gamer and then changed back to Gamer. That's like the only way like there's the Wikipedia entry for this movie is really short I'll, and I'll, we'll get to it in oh, a yeah. second. But yeah, it's Butler Vember. Uh, this is something that Dan and I decided to do on the fly, pretty much during our recording of Reign of Fire, which is a favorite episode. So if you yes. haven't heard that, you should go and first you should watch Reign of Fire because it's amazing. <laughs> yes. And that goes without saying. You should listen to our episode. And we just decided to devote November to the sci-fi and genre work of Gerard Butler, because he's mm-hmm. kind of amazing. In his own odd way, yes. And and the choices he's made and his agent has made. That's in terms what of I the think movies. is like it's it, he, it's he's not an amazing actor. He's just no. made some really interesting choices. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and and like we we're not saying this in a mocking tone. They're legitimately interesting. Yeah, they're not good necessarily in some cases, but they're legitimately interesting. Like I think he should get some credit for that. Yeah. Like doing adventurous genre work. You know, yeah. absolutely. And yeah, so we're talking about gamer today, and then we have on our plate gods of Egypt. Correct. And then Dan, would you like to geostorm? Geostorm, and then uh, a movie that Dan has seen and assures me is actually kind of good, Greenland. Yes. We did not mean for Butler Vimber to be brought to you by the letter G. It's just kind of a... But we're not opposed to it either. Not opposed to it. Gerard G. Butler Vimber. Yes. It works. There we go. If you have made it this far in the podcast, perhaps you are already a patron. If you aren't, you can sign up to be a patron. Let's face it. If they are heard about Butler Vimber, they they probably immediately, if they weren't patrons, became patrons. I I was thinking if they lasted through our little song and dance routine, they probably would (laughs) already patrons. Yes. You know what? Actually, the idea of a patron really interesting sort of confluence with the plot of this movie like what yes. would we do for our patrons dan Ooh. if they gave us enough money would we perform a full song and dance routine oh god no especially <laughs> after not having after having watched this movie All right, no so we won't nope. do that but if you become a patron at patreon.com slash space the nation you get some really cool stuff uh, none yep. of it really physical, although in theory, someday, yes, mm-hmm. you will get swag. You get access to our episodes early, and you get to join our Discord, which I think is the number one reason to become a patron, to be honest. It's a great community, really interesting people, interesting day jobs. That's the thing yes. that I find amazing about our Discord, is that if you ever thought of the science fiction fans as being somehow all alike, you are no. incorrect. Definitely incorrect. <laughs> I mean, we have some similar senses of humor and stuff, but it's it's interesting, like, what kinds of people have joined our Discord and the conversations that we have there. Anything else that I missed as far as the reasons you should become a patron, Dan? You do get early access to the podcast episodes. Right. And oh. also you get access to our AUAs, yep. which we normally do monthly, but unfortunately we're not able to do Didn't, didn't uh, do in October, October because yeah. Dan was in Rome. Did I say I was in Rome? Oh, you, Anna? You I forgot to mention. You, you, I was in Rome. You told yes. me a couple times that that was I the reason why you were yes. unavailable. You were I'm so sorry because I was in Rome. And, yes. You know, it was lovely. And was lovely. I recall before that you were in London. 
Yes, and that's true. then you're in this. Before that, French you're Polynesia. In French Polynesia, and I believe yeah. there was a trip to Quebec, Montreal, someplace. There one was of our a Montreal northern, trip. Our northern uh, neighbor. Yes. That's correct. Okay. The so, travel is, is ramping down, though. You will be happy to know. So, okay. like, you know, well, you not, know, not I much. went north of the lake. I went north of Town Lake. <laughs> that's what I did. That's what I've done. That's the travel that I've done. I went this to a new AA meeting. Yeah, I Ooh. went to a new AA meeting. So. Oh, that actually is interesting. That is really cool. So I guess we've we've effortlessly segued to the how are you section. Yes, we have. We have. <laughs> Beyond having racked up some frequent flyer miles, Dan, how are you? Uh, I am well. You know, it is still peak foliage season here, so I cannot complain about that. Various administrative things are getting done. And I, you know what? I'm, le- <laughs> I'm legit. So mysterious. <laughs> yes. Well, I could only Various say so Various administrative much. things are happening. Okay. Yes. Um, but also, I'm excited about Butler Vember. I'm slightly less excited having watched Gamer, but I'm still very, very, pretty much excited. I think we're going to have a good conversation. I, I thought, think we are. Uh, yes. you know, spoiler alert, I thought Gamer was terrible, but kind <laughs> of interesting in how bad it was. Dan and I were, were talking before the podcast started, and maybe we'll finish up this tangent, or not a tangent, but we'll finish up what we think after we finish talking about the movie, but would we recommend this is the is the that's question. That's a tricky question, yes. Yeah. I think... I don't regret way, I, watching it, but that's not a strong recommendation. No. <laughs> that should go on the back. I don't regret watching it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fantastic plug for a film. Um, I, this way, I think I'm I don't a little regret ang- watching it. Space the Nation. <laughs> there we go, yes. I think I'm a little angrier at this film than you are, mostly because it's not all bad, and we'll get to that. But in some way, it's just... Were you more offended than I was, Dan? I think that's possible. But I was also offended because it was a magnificently wasted opportunity, I guess. There's a lot of talent associated with this film, not named Gerard Butler, and and it's just a remarkable, mostly a waste of all of it. And I think that's one of the things that, that, um, that upsets me. I guess. You know, Dan, we, we usually talk about why we're doing the yeah. topic of the day at this point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we already we already explained that. No, it's Butler Vember, motherfuckers. It's I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. And we're starting with Gamer because we're going in chronological order. So, yeah. But we should get rights to Chekhov's What's It? This is the thing in the film that we see in the first act that then, you know, You suspect later. will Yeah, might have back. some... Yeah. yeah. For me, it was Chekhov's flashback, um, which was, I know, somewhat contradictory, but that is we see this meta. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, if there was any time to go meta on a, on a film, it is definitely this one. Um, but yeah, it's the flashback that Gerard Butler's character Tillman has that is essentially the crucial plot point about um, why this technology is supposed to be bad and so forth, which we see initially... I think a couple minutes into the film and then eventually it refers. <laughs> also, the reason we see it early in the film also doesn't make any logical There's sense. No, the movie's exposition and chronology is horrible. Is Yeah, I mean... It's just horrible. I had, I am a little bit mad at the movie for how often I had to rewind it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And be like, yes. wait, huh? And then yeah. sometimes it didn't matter. I, I rewound it and it still didn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I actually did watch the first half of the movie twice because <laughs> I was I was really angry at it. and then, and the second time it was better like there was there was more maybe it was that I wasn't paying attention or like or I was distracted by the camera work or something but like the second time I watched it I was okay they were putting a little more effort than I'd realized into it but that's damning with faint praise. Yeah. Um what was your Chekhov's once upon? I say Chekhov's rich white twat the <laughs> Simon the gamer ah. Simon. I mean, he's there the entire time, but his, maybe I should say it's Chekhov's Deus Ex Machina, which I know is mixing my literary tropes, but uh, <laughs> it, I find that I I can't wait to talk more about how he comes and saves the day. Like, Yes, that would be interesting. Uh, but it, he but is, we, in a way, a gun that gets used in the last act. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, yes. He, or at least he pulls the trigger. Right. Uh, yes, that's, that's certainly the case. Yeah. All right, why don't we get to the story behind the story? Anna, I suspect we are going to critique this film to within an inch of its life as we go forward. But I think I can understand why Gerard Butler's agent thought this film was promising, you know, at least when when originally pitched to it. So tell us the backstory. 
not a lot of backstory about this film. I don't know <laughs> if it just went down the memory hole or people want to forget it. It's hard to forget in a weird way. Like, mm. I wouldn't say it's forgettable. No. No, no, no. But mainly there's one word to explain the existence of this movie, and that's crank. Which is an awesome fucking right. movie. So crank, Mark, yes. Neville Dean, and Brian Taylor are the two filmmakers that made Crank, and then someone gave them even more money. And <laughs> it was filmed in Albuquerque, and they spent, I'm trying to remember, it's like $50 million movie, I think. Oh, wow. They built multi-story sets that they then, you know, blew to pieces. <laughs> There's a lot of things to blow up in this film. I mean, and then as camera operators, which is sort of interesting, and, and perhaps I'll revisit this when I'm thinking about whether or not it's a critique of capitalism, because they do a lot of their own camera work, their own labor on, on their movies. Mm -hmm. But they invented the roller dolly technique, which is to film while rollerblading. <laughs> which, as soon as I read that, I was like, yes, that is what they did. Yep. Ah. That, that, does, that does track <laughs> with some of the shots. There's no question. This yep. might be the lowest rated movie that we've talked about. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. It has a 30% rating from Ooh. Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, it's not the lowest. Personally, I've, I think I've watched. Well, actually, I think Geostime might be lower, but we haven't talked about it yet. So we I haven't think gotten this, there yet. Hopefully, the, yes, so yes. This is thus far the lowest rated movie that we have. Let me put it this watched. way I'm willing to go out on a limb right now and say this is a more interesting film than Geostorm. That doesn't necessarily mean it was a better film than Geostorm. We're going to have the whole, like, we're, we're going to have some butler momentum. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, so we, I don't know if our scale is going to stay the same because we're going to mm -hmm. be already caught up in the That's madness. True. Yes. But it'll be interesting to rank these movies uh, with each other. <laughs> By, and yes, by I was, the end, Anna, I just realized by the end of this, by the end of Butler Vember, we're both going to be talking to each other in Gerard Butler voices. <laughs> we're just going to be going, so Anna, what did you think of the film? <laughs> or we will never smile again. That's true. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So I was right about the budget, $50 million, which is a respectable budget. It made 42. Yeah. Okay. So that might explain why there is absolutely no IP of this movie that I could find. <laughs> which, is, which is hugely ironic given the right? topic of the film. Yes. I, I, okay. That, that, that actually is amusing. Yes. Okay. That is the second funniest thing about this film. Yes. There is an interesting sort of intellectual, like, fallout from this movie. Like, there are people who, there are some people who like it as a critique of capitalism, spoiler alert. Right. Yes. And I'll talk a little bit about that when, when we get to that part of the, of the show. But I had not heard much about this movie they did this movie on how did this get made hmm. so i knew it was not going to be great <laughs> i don't know what i expected it wasn't this i don't know guess it wasn't this it was this is it is a unique film <laughs> <laughs> unique and i don't regret watching it <laughs> I'm just, we, they can just quote after quote for the box on we this might one. Need to, I think we might need to come up with a new segment of like, you know, for Butler Vember of what is the taglines that we can give this film? Like, what are the pull quotes that we can offer? Don't regret watching it. Unique. <laughs> Unique. I blinked several times. Let's <laughs> go. You know, uh, every unhappy film is unhappy in its own way. <laughs> yes. Fair Let's enough. get to that, Dan. We have to talk about the actual plot of the movie. If okay. I, I, this is, I have to say, yeah. I am always grateful to you for being mm -hmm. the person who does the plot. Uh -huh. I might actually owe you money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you do. <laughs> for the work you had to do on this one, <laughs> this this took some effort. That's yeah. True. All right, so All let's right. get to that effort, Dan. Let's go to Act One. Would you like to play a game? So some years from this exact moment, the world is entranced by two new hybrid video games, one called Society and one called Slayer, designed by Mark Zuckerberg's stand-in Ken Castle. In Society, gamers can control actors using Nanex technology and make them do whatever they want in a Sims-style game. 
In Slayer, gamers use death row inmates or icons, get it, mm. uh, to fight their way through urban warfare terrain to get to the save point. If a Slayer completes 30 games, they will be pardoned and released. The danger in this game is the ping, or the small delay between the gamer's reaction and the Slayer's ability to do something while the game is unfolding. Meet John Tillman, a.k.a. Cable, a.k.a. Gerard Butler, a popular Slayer who is defying the odds and approaching the 30 victory mark. He has a family on the outside. His wife, Nika, plays an avatar in society, and his daughter has been adopted by a plutocrat to be named later. His gamer is Simon, a 17-year-old rich kid who is slightly less douchey than the typical 17-year-old boy. I will defend this character. To <laughs> um, it is true. He, he, he actually has some personal growth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As they approach the 30-match mark, a rebel group called the Humans, spelled with a Z, so that's how you know they're radical, reaches Fronted out to by both... by Ludacris. That's yes, also ex- how you know yes, they're radical. That's true. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> reaches out to both Simon and Tillman, suggesting something more is afoot. They supply Simon with mods that allow him to actually talk to Tillman during the game, which is ordinarily a no-no, and Tillman requests more autonomy. The Humans warn both of them that Castle won't ever let Tillman escape because reasons. Anna, I found the first act of this film super unpleasant for a variety of reasons. I suspect you did, too. The biggest problem for me, which is maybe not unpleasant, but just, like, frustrating, was the incomplete world building. The game itself seemed thoroughly boring and just sort of went unexplained. I couldn't tell what the hell was going on. And I'm not a gamer, so I confess that maybe this is my own biases at play. And also, I was never entirely sure if we were supposed to think Tillman was the reason for Cable's success or Simon was. It never was entirely clear, despite the fact that there was a whole expository scene about that. There's a scene where, like, he's trying out some new hardware, oh, and he's, well, like, talking like, to well, a they, guard. They're yeah. like, he's the eyes, and I'm the hands Right. Or so, yeah, exactly. But yeah. that no, still I have didn't in make my much notes. sense. Yeah. I have in my notes something about, yeah. like, what, the, why, who, what would be the... Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> the incomplete world building, let's be very clear, is not what's unpleasant. That's about true, yes. the first... Yes act of the movie the unpleasant stuff is the depiction of a obese person as a gamer who controls mika who's mika who is tillman's wife amber valetta and this movie very much tries to have everything both ways in its critique of capitalism its critique of sexualization its critique of marketing its critique all of that it wants to be a critique of it but also Get sort the of glory in it a little off bit. Of yes, it. exactly. So yeah. it is very clear they're trying to do a critique of the sexualization and commodification of women. But you can't then just show us her ass all the time. Every goddamn time. <laughs> like, I there mean, are just I multiple felt... close-ups of her ass. Yeah. And it is... I... It's fine. It's and great. It is good a for good her. ass. Like, good yeah, for good her. for Amber Valletta. But like, literally, like that is the that might be the the acting. It should get a separate credit. In this really, film. it really should. Like, literally, every time you see Amber Valletta, you know, playing the the you know in society, like it, it seems like within ten seconds she is prone and you know basically wiggling her ass. Yeah, and you know, I've talked before in the show about my feelings about fat phobia and that really we need to have more conversations about it it's one of those things in our society that is still kind of one of those hidden well not hidden but it's something that people don't talk about it's a it's a form of exclusion and bigotry that uh i would like it if more people paid attention to and it's this movie shows how little people care about it and how easy it is to villainize someone and you just make them fat you know, yeah. that's how you make somebody gross. And put them in a basement. And put them in a basement. That's what a gross person is, a fat person in a basement. So that was bad. As bad as the Amber Valletta stuff, I think. And also, I thought I might get motion sickness. Yeah, the, <laughs> the movie is physically hard to follow at times. I mean, and and I, it's very weird because, as I said, I loved Crank. Crank is a really good film. I didn't have the same reaction to that as I did with this. This seemed much more shaky cam in this one. Yeah, it is. There is, I don't think, a single, what I would call like a straight shot in the whole movie, Mm -hmm. except in the very weird and almost good scene where Amber Valletta's character, where his wife, I can't remember her real name, but Nika goes to the child welfare Oh, yes. Angie, I think, is her real name. Angie. Right. And she yeah, tries yeah. to get custody of their child back. And it's right. it, And then the movie suddenly becomes Brazil for five minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
kind of out of nowhere. I mean, it's sort of a cool scene, but it... Well, to be honest, that's one of the things about this film, which is it borrows a lot from a lot of other films, (laughs) all of which are better than this film. But it's like the ransom note version of that, right? Yeah. Because it's Mm -hmm. all these, like, cut-out letters and then pasted together all (laughs) willy-nilly. Yes. You know, like, it doesn't make a coherent thing at all. It's just, like, this, 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 this. And that's why there's this one scene with her and this interestingly obtuse and cruel you know bureaucrat right and then it's just gone and then it's just gone then it's just like and it's just we we sort of talked about this a little bit with highlander where like there are times where they're like in a film where like there's actually like an interesting little moment and it's just not pursued or it's just we never see the character again and and so on and so forth and that we're going to talk about this in a little bit but that was definitely one of the takeaways well because it's one of the ways that it could have had a more you know, complete critique of what they were trying to critique, which is kind of everything. Um, (laughs) But to involve the bureaucracy of it would have been interesting because one of the problems with this movie and more on this later is that it's not a systemic critique. I think that the scene with Amber Valenta and the child welfare agent is, is an example of a place where they could have made the critique that right now is just kind of so slapdash yeah. A more global one or a more interesting one, because one of the things wrong with this movie and its attempt at being a critique of anything is that it's all very just bang, 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 bang. It's like a shotgun blink. approach. It's literally blink and you'll miss it. In, in some instances, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. And also it's not systemic. They're not like critiquing yeah. any system. They're just like individual bad people. Right. right. Yeah. So that's one of the weird ways it fails. And, you know, spoiler alert for me. <laughs> I could talk about this movie more, though, because I'm so fascinated by the games, because I guess I get the appeal of society if you're into that kind of thing, right? Right. Like, I mean, I don't see a reason to play it that wouldn't be, like, a sadomasochistic reason. And, by the way, there are a fair number of cutaway shots to sadomasochistic Yeah, like, I mean, I was trying to think, like, what would be the appeal of inhabiting someone else's body just to do something normal? (laughs) Like... Right. gotta go to costco (laughs) and there's also this one scene where supposedly they're in the game and people are to rave and i'm like yeah no the reason you go to a rave is to experience it like that's actually the whole point of a rave is like the sensory experience right so (laughs) the idea of sending an avatar there because there's because nowhere in the movie does it say like you feel what they feel that's not that's not it it's not that, no like, that's clearly not it yes you're just controlling their actions so like right. going to send it's, it's, it's of, not like, like um it's not like the peripheral which right, is a show which that's is, on amazon right now which is is somewhat similar in some ways but like at least on that it's so much like, better it's such a it's, so much better it's yeah. so much better yeah. but like the idea of just sending your avatar like sending the the sim or whatever it is yeah. to just go have fun somewhere <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know, but and then that at least made some sense. Like I could understand, but, but like, yeah. Some so, people so society, to do it. if you're a gross person, right? Which is any kind of person that would I should say not to kink shame, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Although I have questions about that too, because kinkiness is fine, but you know, consent is a thing that exists in the world, right? And I'm curious about what kind of consent people give, and also how they keep people safe. Yeah. Because there is, you know, content warning, there is an almost rape that happens mm-hmm. in this. And it, it is, yes, by a character named, helpfully. Rick Rape. Rick Rape. Yep. But I, if Gerard Butler hadn't burst in, like, it just would have happened. So it's like thinking in the game, like, what kind of parameters are there? And yeah, I kept remind- wondering if there was, like, a safe word that would allow you to, like, exit, like, you know. But yeah, whatever. and is yeah. there consent at all? Like, did they just, it'd be, I mean. I think the answer is no. I think, like, you consent at the beginning, and then once you play the character, that's that. Well, that would be at least, like, I would just have liked some kind of, like, hand-wavy thing. Right. Because there is, like, so there's this really interesting book that I didn't finish because, full disclosure, it got too sexy for me. <laughs> it's a book called Docile. And or docile, and it's a science fiction book. And it's actually, I should have mentioned this earlier because it's a really interesting version of this, which is that in this society, very you know, uh, there are the very, very rich and the very, very poor. Poor people can hire themselves out as bodies to 
rich people to be basically their slaves, but there's this drug that's been invented that will allow you to be completely blank slate for like a year or something. I can't remember the time involved. So that you retain some personality, but you are also just, you'll do anything that person says. You are a meat puppet, as it were. Yes, yes. And then sort of in the background, there's like, there's theories that that drug is actually not safe, but which, to which one says no, no, no shit. But um, in this, in the plot of this book is this kid decides he's going to do this. His family needs money, young man, and he knows he's gay. And so he winds up getting bought, his time bought by a rich gay guy. And then it is the right of every person that does this to be able to refuse that ma- mind blanking drug. And so he agrees to be the meat puppet of this guy without taking that drug. Oui. Okay. Yeah. And it, there's no violence, but it is, if you are into that kind of thing. <laughs> okay. It is not gross. It is just, and it is weirdly consensual. Like the guy mm-hmm. does kind of like talk to him about this, but also oh, so they can communicate. Okay. They can communicate, but it also just sort of explores the edges of that, let's say. Right. But it's interesting. That's interesting. In a way that this is less so. Yes. Yes. Basically okay. there's a lot of different versions of this that are less so, but we didn't talk about how Slayer is dumb, but let's just pause it. Yeah. It's dumb. We can, we'll, there, we'll have other opportunities. All right. Okay. All right. Let's get to act two, the one original plot twist in this film. <laughs> the humans are correct. Castle doesn't want Cable to win. To prevent that from happening, he introduces a new slayer called Hackman. Unlike everyone else, Hackman is gamer free. Therefore, he won't have to worry about the ping or the time lag. Hackman introduces himself to Cable in prison and does some rather disturbing monologuing. In response, Tillman tells the faceless humans rebel who keeps appearing outside his jail cell to get him some booze. The humans come through with some vodka, and Simon comes through with the ping-free play. Tillman downs the entire bottle of vodka just before entering the game zone. This seems pretty puzzling, but he avoids getting shot while staggering into a parking garage. He then vomits and pisses into a car that runs on ethanol, enabling his escape from the game zone. Okay, okay, wait, okay, uh, Dan, I'm not going to Google this. I refuse to. I don't think yeah. that the metabolization of alcohol works for the piss part that, of this. Yes, I. that was my... <laughs> reaction as well the vomiting totally made sense and i actually thought I that was to, a, isn't that a word that's yeah. a phrase that one never thought one would use <laughs> yes exactly the vomiting totally we, makes sense we've traveled a long way in <laughs> okay. this podcast Anna. no but let me put this way i in all seriousness i actually like this podcast i couldn't figure out what the hell he was yeah doing. i, I say when he started pissing into it i'm like you're putting water in the tank i tended to agree with that that's true yes but like okay. i there's so few things about this film i liked Anna. don't take this okay away all right that, all no, no, no 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 <laughs> But speaking of which, there are a lot of wasted opportunities in this film. And I think one of them is the large number of character actors given almost nothing to do. So Keith David is in this film for a scene. Zoe Bell is in this film for a scene. Literally Jerry a scene, Con- by the way. Like, yeah, I yeah. will confess, like, I didn't realize it was Keith David. Like, it flew by. Yeah. Yeah, same with Zoe Bell. I didn't like when I saw Zoe Bell in the credits. I was like, wait, who is she? And that was one of the reasons why I watched the first part of it again. Milo Ventimiglia is in this for a, a hot minute. John Leguizamo is just totally fucking wasted in this film. He's great for the few seconds he's on screen, but like, there was no reason why he was in there. Even Terry Crews, who plays Hackman, again wasted. I, and I just it made me angry. Anna. Yeah, Terry Crews is the angry black man. I mean. There are times that's fine, I guess, but this time I was yeah. just like, this is fucking lazy and racist. <laughs> like, it's... It, it, Although, also, like, it, there are times where it didn't make any sense. Like, the rant that he get, that he, he gives to Cable when he introduces himself, I don't understand why you would have even done that. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's just like, it, we're just going to show you how bad I, you know, this character yeah, it, and he It's also, they're relying on the scariness of the big black guy, too, I right? Guess so. Like, yeah, that's... Yeah. that is what is offensive about that. And there's so many things to take offense at. You're like, I did forget about that for a second. Yeah, I will point yeah. out that it's not just that people are wasted because they're not on screen very much. Michael C. Hall and Kira Sedgwick are wasted in a weird yeah. way. In there on well, Kira Sedgwick, it, she can be great and she's just not given anything. She's not in this, but I, I don't know if that's her fault or the character. I yeah. Mean, it, it was, and then Michael C. Yeah. Hall does the best he can. Oh like, no, Michael C. Hall is the only is, one who I think came out 
well in this he, but, film. but it's weird because he's just like in a different movie. Like I think Michael C. Hall got the film in a way that like yeah, you're right. none he's of the in, others. You know what? He's not in a different movie. He's in the good version of this movie. Yes, exactly. Yes. That, and to be I fair, don't know if that makes given, sense to anyone, but he, he is in yeah. the, the movie that this could be. I, I, you almost wish the other actors had gone to him for advice about how to play their roles because it's true he is the one like you can't take your eyes off him he the accent he, is a little he, like eh, yeah the feel, southern but... accent was a little weird but let me put it this way he what's remarkable is how much he does with almost no script yeah like it, it's just his facial expressions it's the way he does certain things it's, it's incredibly well done yeah him, you know, so he's very good and this. we already mentioned we're not giving anything away but the dance scene is just amazing oh and yes. Yes. i yes. and when i googled it other people it is like the one thing from this movie that, that like is memeish and like yeah. people have like posted it's like everywhere it's on tumblr and whatnot yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah i mean i don't know if this is a place to talk about it but there is a better movie inside this movie somewhere it would have starred michael c hall <laughs> <laughs> it's it's possible we'll get to it in the next segment. okay all right all right let's get to act three rapid fire exposition so Tillman, having escaped, tries to find Nika, but the humans get to him first. Uh, they exposit very quickly that Castle plans to use the tech behind society and Slayer to control the world. Something about the federal prison system bankrupting the government and the healthcare system collapsing, I couldn't entirely keep up. They also know where Nika is, acting out her society avatar at the behest of her gamer, who is, of course, a 300-pound dude in the basement. Tillman rescues her from, and I swear to God I'm not making this character name up, Rick Rape. Mm -hmm. uh, they escape, though not before running into Hackman and escaping through a rave. Not all that intrepid reporter, Gina Parker-Smith, rescues <laughs> Tillman and Nika and takes them to the human's base of operations. They separate Nika from her gamer and hack into Tillman's brain to find out what memory Castle doesn't want to get out. And it turns out that Tillman was a military volunteer for an experimental version of the Nanex tech before society was introduced. Castle was able to use that tech to get Tillman to kill a fellow soldier. That's the murder he was convicted of, and a year later, Castle introduced society onto the market. Anna, I was sort of, uh, I think, unintentionally amused at the exposition scene for why Castle was doing what he was doing. It was spoken and cut so fast that it really did feel like the directors were just sort of, like, hoping the viewers would just go with it because it actually made no sense whatsoever. Oh, it made no sense. And also, I think it was funny that Tillman's memories were apparently taken with the security camera. Like, they yeah, aren't exactly. first-person memories. Yes. <laughs> and that's like a... And also, like, by the way, it, it didn't make any sense, because, like, uh, earlier in the film, when the humans contact Simon, you see that video. They yeah. clearly had, had that video already, so which, again, raises the question of why they needed Tillman no, or whatever. I assumed yeah. when they showed it earlier, it's security camera footage. <laughs> yes, one would assume so, yes. yes. So, I thought that the plot of this movie at some point I, I wrote in my notes that i get you know i give up and <laughs> i will just go along for the ride and you're just surrendered to the butler vember and, and there vibe. is yeah. you know we are very fascinated by the good bad movie and one of the trademarks of the good bad movie is sometimes that it's just its ambition is just so great that you have to kind of just like a for effort you know yeah but I don't think this that's how I feel this about this film. It's, yeah. It doesn't quite do that. Like, it's weird. Right. And it might be the fault of the fact that it's just a mishmash of so many other things. It's not... <laughs> Even though it is, a, like I said, it's a unique movie, and yet it doesn't feel special. It doesn't right. feel like this was a vision of someone that they cared about. Because that's one of the things that makes a good, bad movie, right? Is that, yeah. like, someone wants this to work and, like, no, cares it, about it. I think, if anything, it's the opposite of that. I think that the, these are talented filmmakers. I mean, again, if you see Crank, you yeah. understand that. But it's almost like they don't really care about the characters, and they don't really have necessarily an overarching vision. It's just they made a good movie. They were then given a ton of money and were like, let's just throw everything at the screen and see what works. There was no animating idea behind it, I think. In a there weird way, it's it's – a metaphor for what they're trying the critique they do a half-assed job with which is that they yeah. hired all these people to direct and move around in space right but they really they didn't hire their fuck. meat puppets they didn't really <laughs> care <laughs> it's true um I, I think it was always like they got the money to make the film they'd already won then yeah 
but yeah. but yeah, like in other words, this wasn't. A, I guess this was a bad. No, it was a bad good movie in the sense of like these are talented people trying to do something, but like the execution was horrible. Well, it's a it's a a place where maybe motivation matters, right? Yeah, like yeah. if you're not trying to make a good movie maybe you don't wind up making one i think you know or if you think that you can do it with you know one hand tied behind your back that's crazy metaphor but if you think you don't have to try that's that's what i'm i'm saying if you think you don't have to try this leads to a question i suppose we're we're, we need to ask as it being butler vember which is would a different actor have done a better job like if jason statham had played this role do you think it would have been a better movie or worse movie or the same? I think you pause. <laughs> might need to go in a Michael C. Hall direction, meaning you'd want someone who could go big, like Which a Statham Nick Cage. Statham does not do. St- yeah, yeah, that's possible, yeah. If Jason got, Statham is a compelling action hero, but he's not yeah, like, you know, no, the And most I like him and he's yeah, yeah. cute and all that, yeah, yeah. but if you... Uh, Matthew McConaughey? The Rock. The other guy... Maybe. Oh, the Rock would definitely yeah. work. The The Rock would actually be kind of perfect because yeah. he's very human. Like that's one of the, the why we like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, right? right? Is exactly. that yeah. even though he's built like a superhuman, he's mm-hmm. somehow able to convey an everymanness about himself. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is I mean, that's his that is his superpower. No, that he, yes, he can lift cars up and whatnot, but his real superpower is that despite the fact that he can lift cars up the ground, he seems like just another guy. Right. So he would have been great, I think. Whereas Butler, I mean, he brings a certain grimness to this. Yes. But like, that's about it. Let's see Um, how often we use that phrase. He brings a certain grimness. Well, no, I was (laughs) good. So uh, as I texted Anna before, we need to introduce, we're going to introduce the the Gerard Butler grimness scale at the end. Yes. You know, and we'll explain that in a little bit. Yeah. All right. Let's close out the plot, though. Uh, Act four, Tillman invents Inception. The humans tell Tillman that Castle is the plutocrat who has adopted his daughter, Delia. <laughs> Shocker! Who would have guessed that plot twist? He heads to Castle's mansion to get her back. Castle is there and ready to dance and monologue. He reveals that his henchmen have attacked the human's lair and killed everyone. Also, Castle's had nanites put into his own brain, but those nanites allow him to control others rather than be controlled. His evil plan is to release some airborne version of Nanex, infecting enough Americans to rule the world, blah, 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 I got bored. Tillman quickly disposes of Hackman and then tries to kill Castle. He can't, though, as Castle exposits that his tech support bros have reactivated his and Nika's nanites, so Castle controls them. Things look grim, but as it turns out, Gina escaped the human's lair and hacked into the Nanex at... I'm sorry, sorry, you... You were waving your hand. I thought I got oh, something I just, wrong. I, well, you're recounting this plot, and it's just mm-hmm. I'm waving my hands around because that's sort of what they're doing. Yeah, like, yeah okay. There's so right. it, when this happens, and then there's this, and like this other thing, <laughs> and turns out they're not all dead, and then it turns yeah. out this is this happens. It's like, yeah, it's like it, have you ever was was, it a Mexican have you ever writing been told a story job? by like a five year old? Yes, that's right. <laughs> actually what I was thinking. There was that video, or like I think it was an Onion story about like you know five year old screenwriter of Fast and Furious Six, you know, <laughs> yeah. or, or contracted See, to write this? Next Fast and okay, Furious then, film. And then, and then, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how this goes. So it is, anyway, do, it is the the ending of a face in the crowd. If you want to see a good version of, and then they broadcast it. That's a that's a that's a good one to go to. Yes. Anyway, so Gina broadcasts the confrontation to the world, exposing Castle's plans. Simon the Gamer also gains access to Tillman again. Castle tries to force Tillman into killing his own daughter, but he resists, and then Simon's control enables him to attack Castle. While he and Simon duel for control over Tillman's brain, Tillman tells Castle, I guess using his own brain, to imagine (laughs) Tillman's knife stabbing him. The Inception works, enabling Tillman to kill him. He convinces the tech support bros in one sentence to deactivate the Nanex, freeing everyone in society and players. <laughs> the U.S. healthcare system lives to see another day, Anna. I actually, you know how I feel about the U.S. healthcare system. I'm down, <laughs> I'm down for a critique, but yes. that, I was like, wait, what? Like that? <laughs> There's something about living longer and like... Oh, right. Yeah. Like the Nanex lets you... I don't understand. Is, also... Yeah. Anyway, I just so friends, listeners, throughout that I kept waving my hands around. 
<laughs> Even so, after Dan told me you're waving your hands around, I was like, yeah, but that's in. I continued to do that because that's this ending. It is a hand wavy plot. It's There's just, no and I yeah. got, I, I laughed at the end of it. I was just like, again, I oh, no, almost, when the tech I'm almost, I'm almost shut not the, mad I'm impressed. Yes, like, no, when, they, when they shut off the Nanex, like, really? All yep, it took was that to convince them this? Really? Quote, unquote, click of the mouse. So yes. The I'm like, oh, yeah, well, no one is start that up again. That'll totally work. You know, it was, it <laughs> yes, was, I have things was, to say about that. Yeah, yeah. I will, now, however, it is worth pointing out that the, the one scene in this film that is legitimately truly great we have now referenced is, many times we many times but it is michael c hall as castle uh performing a dance number to the sammy davis jr version of i've got you under my skin because it's not just him it's also the various henchmen some of whom have been bloodied or already like beaten up and so forth it was not just entertaining it was actually disturbing it was the one time the whole i think the, yeah And yes, it works really well. And like, it was the one time the film I think actually achieved whatever it was that the directors were aiming for. Yeah. Um, Like, if if the rest of the film had been like that, it would be considered one of the greatest sci-fi movies ever made. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the only entertaining scene. Did I miss anything else? Well, Terry Crews singing "I've Got No Strings." Oh, that was good. Yes, is sort of a mini version of that. Yeah. What would have been amazing they should is have to make a this a musical. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. if they had yes. just made this like a pastiche musical. Yeah, that actually and, would have been And had awesome. it be like borrowing classic musical theater numbers yes. done in this incredibly grim and totalitarian state way, right? Like they'd had the, this, this atmosphere yeah. of oppression Orwellian oppression and people performing musical numbers. Mm -hmm. People being forced to perform musical numbers against their will would have been an interesting way to do society. (laughs) Yes, I agree with that. Um, As I said, that dance scene was, it was like, I I started laughing when I first saw it, but like, as you're seeing particularly the henchmen do it, you realize how fucking creepy it is. It really works incredibly well. It's demented. And the rest of the movie aims for demented and doesn't get there. Exactly. And, and this yeah. is like legitimately demented. And also, I we're now going on about it a bit, but this is part of the movie definitely worth watching. Google it. You'll find it. Like I said, it's kind of everywhere. It is captivating. And I yeah. would definitely watch a movie. If someone said, and I want to make a movie based on that scene, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yes. I'm in. Yes. Like that's the IP that should live after this. We've mentioned the other scene that's kind of good, which is the one where his wife goes to the Child Protective Services or Child Welfare Agency. Right. And I joked that it turns into Brazil, but it's actually a little more original than that. It's like a, it's interesting. It's like an interesting scene and that then they do nothing with. So. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, Dan, I have a question now. <laughs> yes, Anna. Is there IR in this odd film? <laughs> Excuse me, media whore, but of course there's IR in this film. Uh, Are you going to tell not- me to stop menstruating? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. That was that, that was a direct quote from the film. <laughs> yes, I know. But there's also the direct quote where they there's a scene where they, they the, her, her boss tells Kyra Sedgwick, stop menstruating and get him for me. Oh, Did God, you not catch that, Dan? I think I blocked that one out. You're right. And you know who plays like the uh, that's John Delancey who plays Q in Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Again, another, another character, character actor actually wasted. wasted. No, there's yeah, a, like exactly. that's just so funny that you didn't catch that. That was when I was oh, like God. first thing I wrote down was like oh, stop sorry. menstruating. That's a it, I, whoa. You, <laughs> I think I live this way. I don't know. I I don't know what the wince count was watching this film, but it was it was you decent. It was a power healthy a, number of wins. power a small sub subdivision yes. like a suburb with all yeah. the anyway. from the wincing. Yeah. There is IR in this film. It's just not very new IR. So a minor political economy point that is not surprising is that Castle's big innovations were developed initially clearly as DOD contracts. And that actually tracks because there is a lot of technological innovation, particularly in the cyber and computing fields, that it came about initially because of government contracts and then wound up having tons of private sector real, applications. Really offering a real history lesson yeah, here, Dan. I know. I know. Like, but I, <laughs> speaking of history, though, I would encourage everyone uh, to read my colleague Chris Miller's book, Chip Wars, which just came out about the history of the semiconductor and world politics, because this is one of the things that it talks about uh, worth reading. So at the risk, however, of treading onto your turf, Anna, this film is really about the commodification of power <laughs> over others. Okay. okay that's, All right. 
Uh, that's okay, what they're tell crying me more. for. Tell me more, Dan. Tell I me. know. I guess. I, I, Anna, let me explain this to you. <laughs> but that's the reason. Do you think I figure out that's the only reason why you would, you know, playing society or Slayer would be considered valuable? I mean, Castle literally says at one point, you know, they'll be seduced by the power. And I suppose the greatest form of power in the world is not coercing someone into doing something. It's getting them to voluntarily agree to do it. And this is, we've talked about this before in terms of the faces of power. This is the sort of third face of power uh, that Stephen Lukes has talked about. If the first face of power is coercion and the second face of power is agenda setting, the third face of power is when an actor either dominates someone else or gets them to want the same things they want. And this is exactly what Castle's games are supposed to do, what Castle is aiming to do with his airborne nanites, and I guess why Tillman is able to win at the end by literally suggesting the idea and having Question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) To be honest, however, it just it doesn't entirely cohere in this film because I don't think the reason any of this works has anything to do with power. It has more to do with your wheelhouse. So, Anna, let me ask you a question. What is it, Dan? Is there a critique of capitalism in this film? Dan, (laughs) I've got no strings, so I have fun. I'm not tied up to anyone. They've got strings, but you can see there are no strings on me. Dan, this is a film very much concerned with power and labor. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a very noisy and kind of confused tantrum, I would say, (laughs) about corporate capitalism Mm -hmm. that kind of works. I mean, obviously, we saw it. (laughs) I guess (laughs) I guess we see see what it's trying to do, right? Mm -hmm. But it is very confused. And like you said, it doesn't quite cohere. And one of the problems, actually, is this idea of the what I would say the third pace, third face of power, potential which is they're Mm -hmm. not it's coerced it's just brute force Mm -hmm. right there's he's getting people to do that what he wants through brute force it's not coercion it's not and it's a tremendous expenditure of power right like sort of so the one the one way i give pause and in some ways this goes to the other scene you liked which is the idea that that the actors had to consent in in the first place to agree to do to this that's the part that I was talking about. You're right. After that, it in some ways, it's sort of pure direct control. Right. But it was and, the idea and then there's, you, yeah. is, it, is there consent when you're desperate is a question right. that is very and, much and, a question of capitalism, right? right. Like, and if again, you that's are something desperate that, to survive, can you consent to anything? Exactly. Yeah. And but enough. my point about this is a very labor intensive way to get people to do what you want. My first thought <laughs> when he was like, and I'm going to have millions of people do what I want. I was like, that right. sounds exhausting. <laughs> That is true. Why I think, would I kept you want yeah. that? Why? I kept wondering how much energy he was devoting yeah. just to even do that dance number, which Why was complicated. Why would you want to control that many people? No, the real way to control people is the way that we, we are controlled now, which is through mm-hmm. suggestion and through capitalism yeah. and through the, the desire to ha- to possess and consume. That mm-hmm. is the third face of power, right? Like that is getting people to do what you yeah. want because they think they're choosing it. Yes, right? that's correct. And that yeah. would make this a much more interesting movie but that's not what the movie's interested in, right? No, like, this not. is something, this is very much a Mexican writing binge kind of plot, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, it, it is, like, they someone had a cool idea. They did a lot of cocaine. <laughs> and that's where they went. You I know. kind of want to run this natural experiment where you get Emmerich on the one hand and these guys on the other, <laughs> give them the same amount of cocaine and the same amount of time in and, Mexico and see what they come up with. And what I think is the no the the, the, the I got no strings thing that it's kind of funny is mm-hmm. th- that is I think there is something there about control. There's obviously something there about control, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And about the freedom you have if someone's not controlling you. However, how much control and how much consent do you have if you're if you're so desperate for money that you have to do it, right? There is this place where in the movie uh, they talk about um, they're talking about the paying and how how terrible that is, right? Mm-hmm. And how that slows yeah. people down. And one of I think it's Castle that says, "Imagine a player that doesn't have to wait to be told what to do." Right? Yeah, he says that. That is an employee. Yeah. That is like. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or a soldier. That is actually, we have those. Imagine yep. that, Dan. Like, he's like, this is the next level of technology? No, that is actually just sending people to war. That's <laughs> like, like tech bros. The tech bros believing you're, you're going to transform infrastructure and you invent the train. That's yeah, yeah. Yes, like a certain tech bro. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just, that is what we call an employee is someone who's like not literally controlled by a boss, but, mm-hmm. you know, it has to do what they say because they're being paid and otherwise they wouldn't live. And speaking of, of big bosses, that is one of the more serious critiques I have, which is that this is not a film that critiques a system. It is a film that has a critique of bad people in the system. And mm-hmm. that scene where everyone gets let off from the nanobites because Tillman politely asks <laughs> Castle's tech, tech support team. Tech support bro. Yeah, I don't. To do it. It is. I yeah. laughed out loud because he's yeah. like. He says, it wouldn't mean anything to you. It's just a click of the mouse. Free us. And the guy, I was like waiting for like, I was waiting for a response to that that would be, I don't know, mean or invoke a sequel or, but the guy just looks at his iPad and was like, just like, all right, cool. And what's amazing about that is an unintentional, you know, brilliant metaphor slash critique is that is what happens when we like get a new president or whatever people think that they've been freed and things have changed but really that's there's still that shit in their system just waiting to be reactivated by the next boss right yeah we think if power changes at the top that if there's an illusion of more freedom then we're actually going to get it but no that same person at the top still can like you know not obviously literally touch a button but all those habits inside us all that mm-hmm. late capitalism, all that consumerism, all those ads that we've seen, all the sexism and racism and whatever, that's all still in us. And we're changing the boss is not going to free us at all. And it's so disappointing. Like, I wanted to see the better movie. Like, I kept thinking and I kept writing in my notes, right. like, there really is a better movie in here. There really yes, and is. that's what's frustrating. Again, there's talent in this film. Yeah. It's just mostly criminally wasted. And um, well, I did it one. I can't, there's a lot of. I think there's multiple places in my notes where I wrote, "I give up." Um, <laughs> but, you know, one was about the plot, and the other was about the technology. Yeah. Which you know, in a science fiction movie, whatever, like you're not supposed to complain too much, right? But it did sort of bother me a little just because the world building, right? It's like, how exactly does this work? Like, where does the energy come? Like, where are the limits? Like, Even simple things, like when he escapes from the game zone, like, you would have assumed they would have had a contingency to prevent that. Yeah, right. Because it's mentioned very explicitly. And was it like next to the city? Oh, this is only localized. Wink, wink. And you think that they're setting it up to be, no, it's not only localized, right? Right. Um, Anyway, and so it felt kind of dumb and just had to go along with it until dan i thought about how many things in our lives there is an uber version for right (laughs) okay like you can outsource your life sure you can get people to do things for you there do almost everything for you like you can have a team of people do almost everything for you but it is true the point of that is that then you don't have to experience it yourself. Like the point of that <laughs> yes. is I don't have to hang shelves. I'm going to pay someone to hang shelves. Right. This is the virtue of capitalism yeah, sometimes. Exactly. You, know, you are getting, you're, it's not just you're experiencing it. You are actually getting services and goods for what you are doing. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I just, it's, it, didn't, it is interesting. This movie like kind of wants to build this entire world that already exists. Like, we already have, like, versions that, you know, it's great technological innovation is actually only useful in that it shows us sort of where we already are living. Although that's what great science fiction does, although this is not great science fiction. This is not great science fiction. Let's talk about it a little bit in the the Butlerverse universe, although just put a pin in it at least. How are we going to be grading Butler Vember? So... I think first we need to go, there's the Butler-Glower score. Okay. So the Butler-Glower score, for, for listeners, is on a range from 1 to 10. 1 is Butler's performance in Reign of Fire, where he's actually an extremely loosey-goosey role. He has smiles a sense of humor. A lot. The character has a sense of humor. It's he a, seems yeah, to be having he, fun. Right. 10 is full Gerard Butler. Like, he never cracks a smile. 
he is angry the entire or or glowering the entire film like this movie yes exactly so basically i think he gets a 10 in this film yeah yeah the glower scale has been maxed out Yeah. yeah i think this will hopefully be the maximum we get of of butler glower should is there a way to judge the 300ness of it like that's an interesting question i think it I think the 300-ness of it has to be... Well, uh, there's two ways that we, I think, can judge the 300-ness okay. of it. The first is, how much shouting is there by Gerard Yes, Butler? yes. Okay, like, is there anything that rivals the, you know... Again, one would be his performance in Reign of Fire, where he doesn't really, <laughs> like, he barely raises his voice, to ten of, this is Sparta! You know, like that. <laughs> um and actually here, I think on the shouty, on the, on the butler shouty thing, I'm going to give him like a four. He doesn't really shout all that much. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's true. I think there's a four. I was going to go for a gratuitous and sexualized violence on the 300 scale. Okay. That, that also is good. That was the other uh, And I'd say this I is not, I mean, the sexualization of men, eh, not so much, really. No, no. Uh, so. There is plenty of gratuitous violence. Like I will say that was in some ways the most. There the is. One- it's pretty standard. I would say that it's, it's like. It it's funny to say it's gratuitous and then say it's standard, but like it doesn't. It would have actually been more interesting had it upped it a little. I guess, yeah. I, I mean, know. in some ways, on the second viewing, the the attempt to like show the 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 movie version of the video game, like where John Leguizamo's yeah. head gets blown off, things yeah. like that, that was actually profoundly disturbing. But in some ways, it was so quick, like you don't you don't have yeah. time to process it. Is the other problem with the film? So yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I guess I, I don't know. I'd give it a five on that. What did yeah, I do? that sounds about yeah. right to me. I, I did. Okay. There's another, you know, nanosecond of mm-hmm. interestingness in this yeah. movie where Tillman and Simon are co-playing. You know, and right. he saves a woman in a hijab. Yes, from yes. gunfire. And then there are, we didn't even get to this, there are NPCs in this movie mm-hmm. also that, that right. are basically, in, they're not playable, they're controlled by a computer algorithm, so they're the, they're people in the game, in Slayer, that have volunteered to do so, but they're not being played, right? So that's the way right. the movie has NPCs. Which means and they, die, they die almost all the time. Which means yeah. they really die. So apparently this yeah. woman is an NPC. So he saves her, and then she walks into traffic. And, and that, says, by the way, was how I was trying to say that Simon was actually a better. Oh yeah, and he and I, Simon or because it's Simon is, who does that. It's not Tillman. It's Simon. Right, and who he says, yeah. "Oh, I tried." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I grant you it was not. But again, compared to most seventeen-year-old then okay. slightly better. All right. That's all I'm saying. All yes. right. You know, you reminded me actually. When if I can rewind briefly to critique of capitalism, yes. uh, the other problem, and it's a major one, uh, is that. The movie, it's not just that they are freed, quote unquote, freed by some tech support guy clicking a button. It's that Gerard Butler isn't even the master of his own fate in that final scene. Right. He He's controlled by Simon. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah. He, and it again, shows this idea that new boss, same as the old boss, right? Like, it's not that he his agency changes. It's just a new, better boss, better, quote unquote, better boss. That Although it is Tillman, to be fair, it's Tillman who implants the idea that allows him to. I agree, but like, yeah, I think that the movie has a has a real, and in some ways is very pro tech bro, and that that has tech bros think that way too. If we can just change the way they change the person at the top, if we have some someone who's yeah, really good, yeah. a good per, you know, like someone with good ideas. And mm-hmm. let's see how much Twitter they can changes. use the system exactly. Let's, yes, let's, exactly. Let's, <laughs> Let's see yes. if Twitter gets any better. Let's That's a, let's see. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, no, and it's it's like that was the thing that weirdly bothered me about this film is like you know the poster or, or like all the the art is like a picture of Gerard Butler and the movie is you know title is Gamer and I kept thinking he's not the gamer in the film. <laughs> I know it's banal, but it's like that kept bugging me. You know that's a that's such a petty thing. <laughs> Uh, so that thing you just said is a piece of debris. It's people's head pieces blowing up, hitting our microphones. This is the debris field where we talk about the stuff we did not already talk about. Although we are now at over an hour, Dan. We actually, we, this is, that's our mark for like something that we at least found interesting. 
Yes. So another right. another line for the movie poster. <laughs> <laughs> we, at least... we, we talked about it for at least an hour <laughs> and we at least found it interesting i would say as a journalist <laughs> chris sedgwick's character yeah n- bothered me the most because she's bad at it like, <laughs> <laughs> you heard me say less than intrepid yes yes so not only does she do this softball interview where she also completely like flirts with him for some right. reason but there is a scene where she says, he left a wife outside. We got to find her. As if that would be the thing that <laughs> other journalists would not think to do, right? right? Like, if you have ever, if a scandal has ever happened, if you've ever watched something scandalous happen on TV, there's been this thing where people go and park themselves outside the doors of yep. the neighbor, of the family members. That's the thing that happened. It's not a new idea. And then she also just goes completely team humans, which I'm fine with. <laughs> but just comes out of nowhere, right? Yeah, like, no, my fa- I, I, I also laughed. There's a brief moment where, like, where you where it turns out Gina hadn't died and, like, she's uploading a thing where you can tell she's changed, Anna, because now she's wearing a black sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. I, I did laugh at that, yes. <laughs> okay, uh, my turn. Uh, a few things that actually made me laugh in the film. There were a few things uh, that, that I, I was amused by. First, there was a brief shot of two anchors describing what was going on. And one of the anchors says, on a personal note, that shit was fucked up. That was actually an incredibly funny line in the moment and just just well done. And then the dialogue they have after that is amusing. I love those anchors, too. I wrote down that I would watch that. That would be... I would watch that because also one of them is smoking. Oh, yeah. Like, I... Which I'm not a fan of smoking, but it's just... It is such a Gen X, like, mean... <laughs> The two of them look just like kind of like both amused and bored at the same time, which I think is a good description of Gen X. And yeah, it was, you're right. It was a Gen X news broadcast. I hadn't yeah. thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, I yes. would watch that. T- I would watch that. I, I would. I would watch, watch that all day. Yeah. I wouldn't care about it, but I'd watch it. Yeah. 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 Yes. Speaking of which, by the way, you were talking about Gina not being a good journalist. <laughs> the thing that I thought that was absurd is that when Gina interviews Castle, it's like this flirty thing. As you say, but then it ends, and the, there's briefly this thing: is this show is brought to you by Slayer, yeah. the the thing that that they're talking about. Like it was like, okay, I'm pretty sure that's a conflict of interest, but yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I also found some of the yeah gave up, but some of the techie wave hand wavy stuff was funny. I for some reason I thought these copied cells contain remote access functionality. I wrote that down because I was like, that sounds. That's some good tech jargon. That's some good tech jargon, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah I was like, yeah. that makes that is something I can imagine someone putting in a pitch deck. Or like yeah. someone saying like everyone's brain has basically their own individual IP address. That was Yeah, that's that, which yeah. is it someone something someone says and yeah, will happen. Yeah. Well well yeah. Have, again, that's an Elon Musk idea. I, I think fundamentally what I spent a lot of time watching this movie thinking about was what were the better movies or the older movies that it reminded me of. And I think the, the funny thing was, is that the two movies this really reminded me of were first the running man with Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Cause just the, so many shots of the crowds watching the, the thing that I kept uh, thinking about that. And also Jason Statham's uh, version of death race, um, mm. where the idea was you, you know, you compete and then you get out. Like, you know, that was also the, in the premise as well. But what, what did you think of? I'm curious. Well, I've already mentioned so that the book docile, which I would. Oh yeah, okay. I think other people might enjoy. Um, <laughs> uh, it, I just, you know, it was a little yeah. much for me. Okay. And yeah, I think in some ways, the, the, this is a classic sci-fi plot, right? I mean, it's, right. it's yeah. the idea that you would plug into someone else and control them is a thing that humans have been scared of for a long time. And so it's kind of just an er idea, I think. I mean, the Matrix, you know, like yeah, that, obviously, yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. So, okay, pistachio butter. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> Neither have I. Yeah, it Simon's good. character, the it character, uh, the gamer kid, apparently is a big fan of, of pistachio butter and jelly sandwiches. So all forms of nut butter, really. All yeah. forms of nut butter. He no nut allergies on him. That no. actually was a, a that was one other funny moment where yeah, he, like, he says this to Keith David interrogating, interrogating officer, him, yeah. and then Keith David pauses for a second, like, 
they do that? It was a legitimately funny moment. It was a yeah, yeah. And I have to wonder if he improvised it, like because like it was you would not have expected his character to do that, and it was actually really funny. And that reminds me, I meant to say that the Simon character, that actor, does a good job. Yeah, it's a genuine character. It is a a believable and somehow has growth. (laughs) Yeah, character, and that it's never quite explained, like sort of what happens, like why they arrest him and then just let him go, but. Fine. Yeah. Again, it does, give us, it, it does give us a scene with Keith David. So right, but it's still, so much hand waviness. It was yeah. just, it was bad. You, the, um, the, the cities that you could power with the facial muscles twitching and wincing and the hands waving, yeah. lots of energy being expended watching this movie. And the thing I will close with is, <laughs> frankly, most video games have more plot than this film. <laughs> that was the thing I kept thinking. I are. I know a lot of our listeners are gamers, so mm-hmm. we might get some interesting comments and learn yeah. some stuff. I don't think we'll have made anybody mad or anything, but I do. This is one of the many times that I wish that I was better at games, which is the thing mm-hmm. that keeps me from playing them, is that yeah. I just have poor eye-hand coordination. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not that great at it either. So I understand that they are a narrative art form, and so I think it's not... In some ways, it's not saying a lot. There's like... Yeah, there's some really great games out there. And oh, most yeah. Yeah, good yeah. video games have a lot of plot. The, right. But my, my only thing I'll say is that this movie has maybe too much plot. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> it both has... Let me, let me rephrase. Has most, video the, games, it, most video games have a better plot. Yes, yes, That's yes. I'll go there. I'll go there. Yeah, All right. Okay. I think that we have wrapped on uh, the first... The first Butler Vember! Which one are we doing next? Do we know which was our chronological order next? I believe the next one is Gods of Egypt. That is supposed to be truly terrible. Directed by Alex Proyas. Proyas? Oh, from Dark City. Excellent. From Dark City. So a a repeat appearance from him. Way to go. Supposed to be quite bad. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Until then. Keep this channel open for more.